All right, well, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Lord, we thank you tonight that you're the God of all grace. And we thank you, Lord, that you have answers for the challenges that we face, for the pressures that we face, for the difficulties of our lives. We ask you, Lord, that you would use this seminar to change the way we live and the way we go about our life. We ask you, Lord, to enlighten us, give us more wisdom. Bless this evening tonight in Christ's name. Amen. See, Steve, I have a real bad hum in this. Could you, like, take me out of the monitors? Is it okay with me? Yeah, go ahead. It's probably a mic's left on or something. Or do some magic, Steve. That's right. Rip the cords apart. I like that. How many of you feel really busy? You're here because you feel really busy. How many of you here because, uh, well, let me see what else, because. Because you feel under the pile. How you just feel under the pile, behind the eight ball? Okay. How many of you here because you feel that you're not doing enough for God? You just, you wonder that sometimes. Am I really doing enough? Okay. How many of you are really living by the right priorities? You're just not sure if you are or not. Raise your hand. You want to prioritize? Okay. <clears throat> How many wish you could find the right balance? All right. Boy, I think you came to the right seminar. In the Living Proverbs, there's a verse that says, I, wisdom, will make the hours of your day more fruitful, the years of your life more profitable. Wisdom is what we need. In fact, often I find it's always what we need. It has been the main pursuit of my life. There have been two basic pursuits in my life for the last 20 years. One has been the pursuit of God. Two has been the pursuit of wisdom. Those two. In fact, Proverbs says, above all else, get wisdom. For wisdom is of greater value than silver and gold and all riches. Wisdom will bring you honor, long life, Pleasure, joy, etc., etc. Wisdom. We need wisdom. We need understanding. I think that our lives sometimes seem so helder-skelder, don't they? We just feel like we're going here, we're going there. We feel so out of sorts. And <clears throat> I'm going to try, I'm going to do the best that I can in the next six weeks to break this down. And I'm going to read off to you a little bit tonight some of the things that we're going to cover, some of the things that we're going to get into. But I want to try to break this down to you because there really is a solution and you really don't have to go through the rest of your Christian life feeling like you're feeling or struggling like you're struggling. There really are solutions. Alright? So, in order to be balanced, I was jotting this down this afternoon. And you can write these down. By the way, here you can take as many notes as you want. For some of you at my Labor, at my Labor Day weekend service. Take as many notes as you want. Open up your little old notebook and just jot these things down. Make little notes to yourself. <clears throat> In order to be balanced, we must understand some very important things. Alright? There's no way to be balanced without understanding some very critical things. Number one, what is God's standard of commitment anyway? Alright. What is God's standard of commitment anyway? I'm not going to answer that tonight. May, may touch on it later. I'm not sure. 
But we'll get into that. Because we've got to have a starting point, see? And that's the starting point. What is God's standard of commitment? Two, what are God's priorities for my life? Not, what are my priorities for my life? But what are God's priorities for my life? How do I set those priorities? How do I live by those priorities? See? I, I, I want to tell you tonight, and I, again, I really mean this. Um, we have a very busy schedule as a family. There's a lot of things. For example, this weekend, my son was in the dramas here at each service. My daughter's 11th birthday was Saturday. My oldest daughter was having her black belt exam when she's been working three years for. It's a three-hour exam. It took five hours Saturday. It's a very intense thing. We had that. I had... Uh, I was teaching myself in Wayzata this weekend. So the weekend was just a very busy weekend. And in between those things are phone calls. And, and uh, we don't actually, as pastors, believe it or not, uh, we don't have office hours. Just so you know that. Probably the guys are going to kill me for saying that. But um, So we get calls at any time. It might be in the middle of supper. It might be at 10 o'clock as you're putting the kids to bed. It might be as you're going out the door on Saturday. It might be whenever. We're just open. We're open to care for God's people. That's what we're about. We just do the best we can. <clears throat> but I'll tell you something. With all the things going on, I'm headed for Washington, D.C. Sunday. I'm going to Texas in November and I'm going to Indianapolis at, oh, after Christmas, do, sharing a week out there. I'm going back to Texas, possibly to Florida, sometime early in January. And all the other things that are going on in my schedule. I don't feel burnt out. I don't feel out of balance. I feel in touch with all of my kids. I've got two teenagers. I feel very in touch with them. Very in touch with my wife. My marriage is not strained. I'm enjoying the Lord. I am enjoying life. I'm telling you to the fullest. Absolutely to the fullest. And the reason why is because of the things I'm going to share with you. I hope to pass on these things to you. Now, what is critical is that you listen really carefully. And when I say listen, I mean that you listen with your heart. That you really listen. The guys and I, every Tuesday the pastors have a meeting. And we were meeting the other day. And, you know, we chuckle too. I mean, this is our job besides. And we have some good chuckles once in a while. One of the things we're chuckling about is how many times we'll get a counseling call and someone will be calling us about something that they were just sitting in a service that answered that question. But quite frankly, this generation is no different than the Lord's. They are stubborn and hard of heart and hard to hear. If we just listen, if we just listen, we will share with you the path of life. It is, these teachings would radically change your life. You could go to the tape library. If you wanted to change your whole life, you would, I want to know about dating, I want to know about relationships, I want to know about money, I want to know about this, I want to know about growing. It's already all in the tape library. If you just started checking out tape after tape after tape after tape, your eyes would be open. But you know, the challenge for us brothers and sisters, the same challenge for me, I had it on both sides as a person in the congregation, and now as a person teaching, is to keep seeking God with an open heart, and open ears, and a willingness to listen. I've shared this verse with you so many times, I can't remember, uh, remember how many. 
In Mark, out of the Amplified Version, it says, Be very careful what you are hearing, for the degree of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides to you who hear. It all comes back to you in direct proportion to how you really listen and then you really apply it. That's what I mean by really listening. You're not listening if you don't apply it. If there's no application, there's no listening to it. So it's so critical that we listen and we do. Alright, so we're going to talk about what are God's priorities for my life. Number three, how to stay strong and encouraged. You know, life ebbs and flows. I have a little saying I wrote in my notebook that uh, most people's lives tend tend to be uh, a lesson in chaos management. We need to learn to manage the chaos out of our lives. See? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a whole lot of things, but particularly for you families as well. There's a lot of things you're doing that I look, in, I look sometimes in the window of your soul, in the window of your life, and I go, my gosh, this is so chaotic, I don't know how you even stand alive. And I'll share with you some of those things as we go on. Now, I, I want to I also interject this thought, all right? Some of the things that I share with you through this time, this six weeks, will be absolutely unequivocally the, the Word of God. Other things that I share with you will be principles based on the Word of God. Other things I share with you will be some of my opinions and how Mark Darling has applied those to the Word of God. So be careful how you differentiate. And just because all my kids are in karate doesn't mean you have to do the same thing. Just because I share my life in a certain way doesn't mean you have to go do the same thing. Try to find the application that will work for your life. Okay? Unless I'm sharing the Word of God, then you do it. Just what it says. But I, but I want to preface it by saying that. So when I interject from time to time, personal things that we do, I will, I'll try to help you understand why we do them. Uh, but I don't mean that all of them, you have to go do exactly the same thing in an identical way. All right? We've got to learn how to stay strong and encouraged. I find that many of us feel under the pile simply because we've not learned how to stay encouraged. And so we're unbalanced. We're unbalanced in our life. We don't know how to stay strong. Number four, the importance of time management. We, we, we ought to have the corner on it. Did you know that before Stephen Covey was ever born, there was God? And he writes in Psalms to the psalmist, teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. If you do not know how to manage your time, you're foolish. You are not presenting to God a heart of wisdom. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, so therefore do not live as fools, but as wise men, making the most of your time, for the days are evil. I find two areas that people in particular, it's really surprising when you talk to them. They don't have a budget. They have no idea how much money they take home. I don't really care about how much you, you say, you, you know, you get your taxes come out. They don't know how much they bring home per week, and they don't know where it's going. You should pre-plan that. Just go get a six-column analysis pad at Target and write down, you know, um, 
what is this month? September 95. Write down in this column your fixed expenses. Right over here, the amount that you bring home. And divvy it all out. Then see how much is left. Include your tithe or your giving. Includes a little bit of savings. However you want to do it. But figure out where you're at. But you know what's even more radical? The most valuable commodity we have is our time. We have no idea where it's going. One time I met, uh, this was eight years ago. Uh, I was meeting with a young college student. And I was trying to help him grow in his faith. He'd just come and know the Lord. Oh, Mark, I'm so busy. I'm so bu- I'm just so busy, I can't believe how busy I am. He said, really? Well, you know, maybe let, let's sit down. And So I sit down with him. We got a calculator. We got out a piece of paper. And if I'm not mistaken, there's 168 hours in a week. Isn't that right? Yeah. What you do is to get that, for those of you who don't understand, it's take 24 hours in a day times seven. Okay, seven days in a week. 168, that's your gross money. Just, just like you do money. Then you figure out, how much time do I really go to work? I mean, you've got a 40-hour week job, but then you commute. So, okay, I'm I'm on the road 50 50 hours a week, let's say, 52. Then figure, most of you, how many get eight hours of sleep here? That's what I thought. You are having a sleep deficit. You need to think about that, too. Some of you feel so under the pile, you don't even feel comfortable getting enough sleep. Did you know that? Literally, it's not that you, oh, I don't need it. Many of you don't even feel comfortable enough to like go to bed at 10. Because it's like, oh, I'd be terrible. I feel so guilty. I mean, I got so many things to do. You feel so under the pile. You can't even enjoy sleep. Anyway, you figure out your sleep. Then, then figure out how much time you eat each day. Be generous with that. How much time you clean up each day. Like you're in the shower, you brush your teeth. Gonna, if you got a workout program, what do you do there? How much time you have Bible reading? Fit church in there. Anyway, I was doing this with this young man. He was so busy. You know what he had? He had 80 free hours a week. That's not a lie. 80! No, he didn't believe me. I said, well, that's fine. Let's just go through it again. So I did it again. We did it three times. He finally believed me. He said, I can't believe it. Well, that's how poorly managed many people's lives are. They have no idea what they've got. Secondly, we take the most valuable commodity we have and we waste it. We fill it with junk. We fill it with things that don't matter because we don't understand priorities. And we need to de-junk our lives. Alright? So we're going to talk about that. How much should we really do? Number five. How to make good decisions. Another reason we get bogged down, burdened down, we don't have a balanced life, is because we don't know how to make good decisions. We don't understand the process. We don't understand uh, counsel, getting counsel. We're not in the book. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I've said this before. But as a brother, sister in Christ, as one of God's children, you ought to be as desperate for wisdom as I am. It's not like because I'm the pastor and I'm helping lead people, I'm teaching people, my goodness, Mark's got so much at stake. He better be before God, doggone, and he better get serious with his walk with God. Well, you better too. There's a lot riding on your decisions. We can, can I be blunt? We can't afford to screw up. Do I mean God will get you? No. <laughs> Do I mean, oh gee, there's no forgiveness? No. I mean, we just can't afford to be shooting ourselves in the foot for the next ten years. We've got to learn to make good decisions. The only way you can make good decisions is to know and understand the Word of God and especially 
the New Testament and the book of Proverbs. We've got to understand the Word of God. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to me? We need to know, number six, how much should I really do? How much should I really do? How many things should I really be involved in? Number seven, how to avoid the too much church syndrome? We need to know that. Now, I'm going to give you just a little tidbit, but I'm going to get into this in the weeks to come. Let me tell you how me and my family avoid the too much church syndrome. Now, I'm going to explain to you. Again, you think I'm saying this because I'm a, a pastor. I'm not. I'm, I'm a Christian. I want you to think of me tonight as a Christian just like you. I love the Lord just like you. I know you love the Lord. That's why you're here. But I'm not assuming you don't love the Lord. You're here tonight because you love the Lord Jesus. I have four children. Even when I'm not teaching, they want to come Friday night and both times on Sunday. We come Wednesday night. I have life changes on Tuesday night. I have a small group. I have a leader's men's group that I meet with at 6 o'clock on Thursday mornings. Or just like church is a whole life. No, that's not true. Church is not our whole life. A commitment to the cause of Christ is my whole life. And there's a huge difference. I am not committed to an organization. And I want you to know that. And there is a huge but subtle difference. I am not committed to this church, to this building. I am committed to the revolutionary cause of Jesus Christ and bringing this revolution into every single home in the Twin Cities. That's what I'm committed to, and that is self-energizing. But many of you are really misinformed. You think, I should be at church, I should be at church. No, you shouldn't. You should be committed to the cause of Christ. And that's also in that Labor Day message that you can get that I just did a few weeks ago that many of you didn't hear. Jesus, that's why Jesus said, my food is due to the will of Him who sent me. And even though I don't agree, I want you to know this, I strongly do not agree with Mao Zedong. Have you ever wondered what motivated them to go on the long march in the first place? If you understand history? Have you ever asked yourself what motivated these people? What motivated was the thrill of the revolution. Communism was thrilling to those people. They weren't committed to government. They weren't committed to a church. They were committed to a mission. Jesus didn't gather disciples unto Himself say, come to my church. He said, get involved with my cause. Get involved with my mission. That is a humongous difference. And that, I might add, is one of the things that differentiates this church from many other churches. See? People want a church shop. You go church shop, do whatever you want. This isn't, well, I'm not playing a game. This isn't about, let's go to Neiman Marcus Church or the Bloomingdale's Church or the Walmart Church. That's not what we're about. We're about the propagation of the revolution of Jesus Christ. That's a huge difference. So me and my family, if that's all we did, that'd be fine with me. I have sacrificed everything that is dear to me for the cause of this revolution. 
All of my personal gains, all of my personal hobbies, all the things that I would like to go do, they are all on the line for the rest of my life, and they have been for the last 20 years. I tell you, I wake up every day so stinking motivated. It is a rush just to be alive one more day to be involved in making a difference in the planet, on the planet in which you and I live. Now, you've somehow got to understand that. If you don't understand that, you won't make the long march. <laughs> you won't even. You, you won't last. And I know for a fact to be some of you in this room, you won't be here a year from now. You won't be here. You'll be in another church with their new little programs and their new little things, but they won't make you happy. Then you go to another one. That's what millions of Christians do all over the United States. Hot new church over here, hot new church over there. But that's not what we're about. That's why, by the way, there aren't a whole lot of people going all the time because we're about a cause. We're about the revolution of the gospel of love of Jesus Christ to the world. That's what we're about. Number eight. How to keep your family sane and focused. How to keep your family sane and focused. How to, how to lead your family. How to build your family in the midst of all the other things that you're doing. Number nine, you need to understand the battle you're in. You need to understand your enemy. You need to understand how low and scumbag and filthy and vile he really is. And quit attributing the shame and the guilt that you feel to God and start attributing it to the enemy that you really have. We get confused there, to be honest. Sometimes we think God is Satan and Satan is God. We get really mixed up. That's his goal, of course, is confusion. What did he do to Eve? He confused Eve. He confused her. And then the lie was palatable. That's what the devil will always try to do with you. He'll seek to confuse you, to disarm you, particularly at a weak moment. Number ten, we need to know how to enjoy our freedom and what real freedom really is. I am so free. It is so wonderful to enjoy the freedom God gave you. The Bible says it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Only do not allow your freedom to become an opportunity for the flesh. That you live for its lust, but rather serve one another out of love. Use your freedom to serve one another. Another version, uh, or excuse me, another passage in Corinthians says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Seek to do the things that build others up. We are the freest people in the world. We ought to be. We are. Now, we, many of us need to reevaluate our belief systems. No question of that. Many of us still are in what we would call pseudo-bondage. You're not in real bondage, but you're in bondage because of how you still believe. Christ has set you free. It's final. It's done. But some of the cords of the way you believe and view life, they've got to be cut. They've got to be severed. And we've got to put new belief systems in, in its place. And number two, uh, 11, we need to know how to stay passionate about what we're doing. We need to know how to stay passionate about what we're doing. Keep the fire burning. Keep it going. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but um, 20 years is a really, 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 really long time. 
to keep passionate for God for 20 years without wavering. Keep going. Keep seeking Him. Keep pursuing Him. Keep serving Him. It's a really, really, really long time to keep doing that. Week after week, day after day, to give, to give. We can only do that by God's power, but passion is the secret. And once the passion is gone, then you're in trouble. Then you're in trouble. All right. So those are the things that Lord willing, by God's grace, we'll cover in the next six weeks and a few other things. But tonight, I'd like you to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. I want to start off tonight with a little, what I think is a very encouraging introduction here, just blessing my soul today as I was out spending time praying and enjoying the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 27. It says this. I'm sorry, it's not it's not verse 27. It's I'm in the wrong chapter. It is 27. Trust my writing there. It's, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 27. Now, when I read this, I want you to put your name wherever there's a name. So right here at the beginning. Why do you say Mark, Sally, Bob, Jean, Jay, Ralph, Beth, whoever you are, whatever your name is, why do you say, and why do you complain, Mark, my way is hidden from God, and my cause is disregarded by God. In other words, God didn't really care. Doesn't God understand all the pressures I'm under? Doesn't God know what's going on? How come the Lord doesn't care? How come the Lord isn't concerned about what's going on in my life? How come He doesn't do something about it? Don't you know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the God who lasts forever. He's the only God that lasts forever. He's the only God. The Creator of the ends of the earth, He will not grow tired or weary. Once again, the difference between us and God. How many of you get weary and tired? I get weary and tired. And uh, with each passing year, I seem to get a little wearier, a little more tired, depending on what circumstances I'm in. I remember, I've told you this before too, but I remember, used to, it, it was my age, I just turned 39 this August. And I, so I was about uh, 15, almost 16, like my daughter and my son. And I remember just razzing my dad to pieces. He couldn't keep his eyes open during the football game. He used to bug, bug me to pieces. And guess who can't do the same thing? And I feel so old and decrepit and it bugs me. And I try to get up and I try to walk and I can't. It, I used to, football just used to excite my passions. And my son, he wants to talk statistics, and I'm trying, and we're sitting there, and a Vikings game bored me to pieces the other day. It was so boring, it was so mundane, and I just, it puts me to sleep. It's almost like a drug now. That's called age. God does not age. He's never tired. He's never wearied. His understanding, you couldn't even fathom. If someone began to tell you, you couldn't even begin to fathom. I mean, you know, there are things God knows that we haven't thought to discover that we don't know. 
There are so many, God knows how, to put a gazillion gigabytes, gigabytes, whatever the computer language is, on stuff that's cheaper than a silicon chip. We just don't know how to do it. Hasn't even entered somebody's mind. God could create cold fusion. We can't. God already knows how to do it. There are things God, we just can't even understand or fathom what God understands. He gives strength to the weary and He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Now this is an exciting verse because this is a parallel here. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. Now this is a very powerful promise. Here's what he contrasts. Young men. We got young men. You know. We got Teddy back here. I don't know if some of you know. Is Teddy in here? Teddy come to this seminar. He might have gone to another. But some of you know Teddy. There's Teddy. Teddy used to play for the Vikings when he was a young man. Right, Teddy? When you were a young man. And you go out there every day, and these young men, I remember being young, you just want the ball. You can run and run and run and run and run. And keep running unless you got hurt. Yeah, you just keep running. You look at Barry Sanders, I mean, it's a, it's a miracle what happens every time they play the Vikings. But you're not going to shut him down. And you just give the ball, you just jitterbugs all around. Because he's young. But even young men get tired. But you know what it says here? It says if you learn to hope in the Lord, if you learn to wait on God, you won't grow tired and weary. Instead, He'll teach you to soar on the wings of an eagle. And I don't know a whole lot about eagles except on what I learned in National Geographic. But eagles have this amazing quality to find the air currents in the wings and they just soar up and up and up and up. They just soar effortlessly. And that's what it can be like for a Christian. God, and I wrote this down, I want to, I want to drive this home to you here. God is not trying to drive us into the ground, but lift us up on the eagle's wings to soar. God is not trying to drive you in the ground. God is not trying to load you down with all these things you've got to do. And it's got to be this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to go here, and you've got to go there. <coughs> God wants to set you free. God wants to teach you to be full of power, full of strength. What does it say? It says... You'll renew your strength. It's like a little dust buster that's plugged in. Whenever you go get it, it's ready to go. Just plug it and then set it back on the recharger. And God can teach you how to be recharging while you're driving through rush hour, while you're sitting behind your desk at the office, when you're over your lunch break, when you're at dinner, when you're in the morning seeking Him, you're recharging. Those who learn to wait on God will run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. And that is again what Jesus meant when He said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. That's what sustains me. That's what motivates. That's what urges me on. Then I'd like you to turn for a moment to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. Sometimes, when I'm feeling particularly stressed, you might say, or 
feeling like there's an awful lot of responsibility laying down on me, or things have gotten a little rough, I go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I wish I had my wife's Phillips Bible. She was using it tonight. I don't have it, but it reads really powerfully out of there. But starting with verse 3, Paul says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings and imprisonment, and riots, in hard work. It sounds like a revolutionary, doesn't it? That's why I use that term. That's what happens to revolutionaries. They get rioted on. They get in prison. They get beat. There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of toil. In sleepless nights, hard work, and in hunger. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. In the Holy Spirit, in sincere love. In truthful speech, in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right and the left. Through glory and and dishonor. Now, though some days you got a lot of glory, other days people are knocking you. Some days there's lots of bad reports about you, other days there's good report. <clears throat> some people think you're genuine, some people call you an imposter. Known yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything. I get excited when I read this, believe it or not. I get really encouraged when I reflect on the life of Paul. And it ought to encourage you because I really haven't had anybody call me from jail lately. None of you have been thrown there. I haven't had anybody call me because you were beaten with rods. I haven't had anyone call me because you were stoned. I haven't had anyone call me and say, Mark, I haven't eaten for a month. I haven't had anyone call me and say, Mark, you know, the whole town rioted on me. My whole job, they were picking and when I walked up today, we hate Mark, we hate Mark. Paul had an amazing life and yet, you know, you read about this same guy, he's writing to these people from prison. He tells them in Ephesians, rejoice, in Philippians, excuse me, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, Paul says, whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the power. God wants to empower your life. God has the ability, no matter what's going on in your life, to lighten the load and lift the burden and give you a sense of supernatural encouragement and power. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you turn there, is also another passage I read and reflect on about Paul. We start with verse 23. Paul says, Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times, five different times, I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. The reason it was called the 40 lashes minus one is because they believed if they gave you the 40th, it would kill you. Paul's body was a scar. 
Paul's just a walking scar. Three times, this is another situation, three different times, I was beaten with rods. Well, that's what they did to the Lord, and that's when they all get around you, and they pummel you over the head, and anywhere, a whole bunch of different people with rods. That was three different occasions. Once, I was stoned. And they didn't have nice sutures and plastic surgeons, you know, you make it look really good after your face had been gashed to pieces. That's why I say Paul was a walking scar. His back, his body, his head, he was just, he would have been hard to look at. Three times I was shipwrecked. Have you ever been on a ship? I was, uh, went with the, on our vacation with the drama team up to Rocky Island off of, uh, of Bayfield, Wisconsin, the Apostle Islands. It's, one of, it's got to be one of the top three highlights of my entire life. But the trip back, you know, was uh, really uh, interesting. The, the wind was at least 30, 40 miles an hour that particular day. It was very sunny and beautiful, but the waves were huge on Lake Superior. And the young kid who was driving us back in what's called a water taxi, the boat's pretty cool. It holds six people comfortably. He was going about 40 miles an hour. And we're going, I was soaked. I almost thought about charging them for the ride back. And it took an hour and 40 minutes to get back. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself if we're out there, what would I do if this thing turned over? If it threw me out of the back. It happened to Paul. He was shipwrecked. You ever been along? I mean, my favorite place, I think, in the United States, is starting to become Gooseberry Falls and Tedagooch in the North Shore. Those cliffs and the waves come. And I thought it would have been like to be on the Edmund Fitzgerald and go down. Well, Paul understood that. He didn't just have, you know, his Caribbean cruise, the power go off, and they helicopter him off to another one. He got shipwrecked three separate times. <clears throat> he spent, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Think about that, you Cuban refugees. He understands what it's like to float around. Nobody's going to rescue you just floating around in the open sea on a board. He probably got rescued by some fishermen. I have been on constantly on the move. Paul had no permanent place to settle down. He was always going. I have been in dangers from rivers, dangers from bandits, dangers from my own countrymen, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at the sea, and danger from false brothers. I just make a little song. Danger, 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 danger. Everywhere I go, it's danger. You know, I mean, all the time, this guy was in danger. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak with them or concerned. Who is led into sin? And I don't inwardly burn. He, de- he doesn't mean I'm mad at them, I burn at them. He means I burn at the devil to trick them. He cared about them. This guy was amazing. And yet this guy is writing to everybody else, encouraging them all the time. Paul understood the secret. He understood that God was not trying to burden his life. 
He understood it was the greatest joy in the world to be involved serving the king. That's how Paul viewed it. That was his perspective. And it empowered him every day of his life. Every single day. And I, the reason I read this, and, and I'm included with you, none of us have had a life this hard. None of us. And if you have, please call me because I'd love to talk to you. And if you think you have, call me because I like to pop your bubble. I mean, this is unbelievable. And this guy, he understood the secret. God's not trying to burden me. God is there to sustain me. God is there to empower me. In fact, one of the reasons Paul writes so much in the New Testament is because he lived it. He understood the reality of it. What a thrill. What a thrill. Paul says in another passage, I count all things rubbish that I might know Christ. Christ was his prize. Knowing the Lord was his prize, and he would pay any price to know him more. And then if you go to 1 John chapter 5, chapter 3. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. You know, I don't know how, how much you sit and ponder love and romance and all that kind of stuff, but I've always considered it one of the greatest joys of my life to suffer for my wife and kids. And I really mean that. I've always considered it a really neat thing when I could um, get them something and me go without something. Or when there was a way that my wife wasn't feeling well, that I could do whatever, go out of my way to show her I love her. I never saw that as a burden. I mean, that, that's one of the passionate, cool things about love, is I really get the chance to prove it to her. And I enjoy that. I enjoy doing things that tax me. You know, one of my things that I, I do with my daughters, and this is one of the birthday things we do every time it's their birthday. I take them shopping. <clears throat> and, we, and, you know, if you, if you know much about girls, and I do because I live with three, you know, going to one place just isn't enough. Now, now I'm, I'm not an atypical guy. Does that mean not normal? I'm not typical. I'm atypical. I, I kind of enjoy shopping. But even I get tired. We go to this one and then this one and this. And we look at this little boutique and these little earrings. And we go over here. And I try to work really hard to stay interested. You know? But I'll tell you this, I really do enjoy the process of doing this for my little girls. And my son, you know, he doesn't like it at all. That's not his thing. We do different things for his birthday, but they really like it. It's really a neat thing. But I enjoy it. because I, What I enjoy is just saying, I love you. I love you. Well, I, I feel the same way about the Lord, and I'm sure you do too. My goodness, Lord, it's a thrill for me to show you that I love you. My son came home Sunday from church. And he goes, Dad, I I'm exhausted. I'm totally wiped out. He goes, how do you do this? I said, well, son, it takes supernatural grace. But it's a joy. Isn't it a joy, son? It's such a joy. It's such a joy to labor for the Lord. It's just a joy to get wore out. I mean, yeah, you get wore out. But it's a joy to get wore out. 
in 1 John chapter 5. I just got a few more thoughts and then we'll be done. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. Look, look at this verse. I love this verse. This is the love for God to obey His commands and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. His I've, remember, I've burned that in my mind. His command isn't burdensome. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's not burdensome. We think just the opposite. The devil makes us think just the opposite. Oh, man, i got to do another stinking command. i got to go to this. I'm supposed to fellowship. I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to witness. I'm supposed to read my Bible. Oh, I'm so burdened down. And it's such a filthy lie. His commands aren't burdensome. They are liberating. They're liberating. And the more you do them, the more liberated you will feel. As you grow. See, the Lord's not trying to weigh you down. Now go to one more. One more. And on my other most favorites. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. In verse 28. What I'm trying to do here tonight is just set up this series, but I'm trying to help you tonight understand that God in no way is seeking to make you feel burdened down and that the Christian life, there's so many things. You've just got to do so many things. You've just got to do so many backflips. You're like a circus performer. My goodness, this is such a drudgery. God is not that kind of God. God, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. If the Son set you free, Jesus said you're free indeed. He wants you to be free, feel free, and experience that freedom. And here's one of the main ways that we do that. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and under the pile. And I will give you rest. Now I know many of you, you think, Mark, doggone it. You're afraid to say this. And I don't want you to feel afraid. If you want to call and talk about this, feel free. But you're afraid to say I don't believe it because I've never experienced it. And I know it says it, but I just don't think God keeps His word. Because I'm really worried and I'm really burdened. And I don't feel rest at all. Well, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me for I am gentle. God is not harsh. God is not dictatorial. God is not authoritative. He is gentle. And humble of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And I'm going to tell you something. That's the truth. This is a paradigm shift. You must shift your paradigm. God's yoke is easy. His burden is light. He wants to give you rest. So I wrote this. It is not God's ways that are burdensome and tiring. Rather, it is all the things we don't unload on Him that weigh us down. It is not God's ways that are burdensome and tiring. Rather, it is all the things we load on God that weigh us down. Our worries, our unbelief, our sorrows, our griefs, etc., etc. And our misperceptions. It's not God at all. When I was a boy, there was a song we sing in church, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege 
to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Brother and sister, it's time to download. It's time to unload. God wants your burdens. He wants the things loading you down. And He wants to give you rest. That's the beginning of the process. Now, the rest is as we take on that yoke. And that's what I'm going to get into in the next six, uh, five weeks. Is the priorities of God. What's God's commitment of standard? His standard and on the, the, the 10, 11 things that I gave you. And we'll get into those in the weeks to come. Please stick with us, alright? This room is so encouraging to see this whole section down here full. Come back next week because it will be worth your while. There are answers, but just go out of here tonight remembering God is for you, not against you. God is not trying to load you down. He's trying to set you free. God is not trying to drive you into the ground, but He wants you to soar with the eagles emotionally, spiritually in life. God can give you their soul, the grace and strength to have power and ability that you've never known before. Remember, the secret is Christ. And unload those things that are bogging you down. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You tonight so much for Your faithfulness, for Your goodness, for Your truth. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You You always keep Your Word. And we ask You, Lord, help us. Help us to really believe it. That I'm gullible, Lord. I really believe this. I really believe I don't have to go through life loaded and burdened down. Not only with all the things in my life, but with all the concerns of all these brothers and sisters in this church. I don't carry the world on my shoulders. Lord, if I did, it'd break me. You carry it on your shoulders. And you carry all my worries. I mean, I just get broken down just with my few worries of life. Thank you that you bear them. Thank you we can live free. And we can really enjoy life to the fullest that you intended. Thank you you have balance for us. There is a time and a season for all things. Please, Lord, help us to persevere and be back these next weeks and learn what you have to say for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.